This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Shalom of Racha. I don't know if it's to say we're gathered here. Um, this year is unique. Um, it, a lot of yeshakoach uh, to the people that organized this. It was very challenging. And hopefully we'll get our inspiration even from this kind of very, very unusual type of getting together. I'm going to speak about somewhat of an unusual topic. I guess it's, um, it's something that's relevant because of the heavy political atmosphere, but I want to speak about it from a unique political point of view. Uh, sorry, from a Torah point of view. Um, the elections, the events have been very, very polarizing, and everyone has chosen sides. Um, right, left, conservative, liberal, a Democrat, Republican. None of that is Torah. There are things that are compatible. There are things that are important to us. We have to make decisions. But we have our own shita, our own Torah, our own approaches. Uh, in some areas, they might have seen the light. In some areas, not. And therefore, I would like to speak specifically about some of the areas where actually the quote-unquote so-called left might actually be closer to our Ashkafa. And I want to make it clear again. I endorse no party because I think no party and nobody out there is a Torah person. But some of the ideas um, I think are important to emphasize Torah ideas, even if they belong to the right or wrong party. I'm going to pick three things, three points especially. One point, the idea of government regulation, right or wrong. Um, the so-called right believes the government should stay out of people's um, hair. They should regulate as little or not at all, depending on where you are on the spectrum. And the so-called left believes more and more government regulations. Is there a Torah perspective in that? Two, people who don't have money, um, what is the responsibility of society to them. Do we have responsibility? Um, should the government be involved in it? Three, when we're dealing with different bad middles, different averos, which are the worst? There are many, many immoralities that the Torah really, really, um, in very, very strong terms, denounces and, and tells us what the punishment is. So what to ask ourselves, what is the worst of them all? What is it? Once again, it's difficult to translate these ideas because is a U.S. government similar to a Jewish government in Klal Yisrael, uh, Dinim? I'm not making... Um, an easy cut and paste. I am, we're going to go through some Torah ideas and 
it will give us some perspective on what things ought to look like. Whether this is what the U.S. government ought to do, whether they're capable of doing it, whether they're the best vehicle for doing it, that's the ask your local Orthodox politician. I can only give you somewhat of, of a Torah approach. First thing, government regulation. Is there a point to it? Is it right? Is it appropriate? I am going to be quoting from the Rambam in Hilchas Mechira, Perik Yudalit. Uh, the Rambam, as you all probably know, does not really say anything of his own. This is a simply laid out, um, extremely logical presentation of what is the bottom line psak in the Gemara. So the Rambam says, he starts with Perik Yudalit, and he says, it is true that you cannot fool people as far as the prices of items goes. Uh, you cannot sell something that's worth $10 for $20. Um, that's, that actually cancels the sale. So, But if you notify and you tell a person, I am a boutique shop, a chocolate bar that you can get for 50 cents at your local CVS is going to cost $8.93 because I smile sweetly at you and I don't call it chocolate, I call it something else. That's perfectly legitimate. As long as it's clear that I'm charging a price beyond what you could be gotten for, that's not cheating and that's perfectly acceptable. I can charge any price that I would like so long as you're aware that this may be far from the best price you can get. That sounds quite liberal and open. Avo, bezn chayovun lifso kashorim ulehamed shotrin. Bezdin has to get enforcement. They have to get, uh, they have to create a price list and guards to make sure that people not um, make a profit as they wish. Um, and, and there's a certain norm. It's in, 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 those, in those, there's 15% above and beyond expense, obviously. However, things that are absolutely necessities. Yainos, wine in those days was necessity, shmanim, vesaltos, oil, flour, and so on. But other items, luxury items, you can do as, as much as you want. So, the first thing is regulation is mandated on items that are necessary. So the government does need to make sure that items are not priced out of the range of affordability, but they also need to make sure that that's only in items that are necessary. We don't have to make everything affordable to everybody, and there's no reason for it. So yes, that people have necessities, Regulations are in place. Um, obviously, you can't force people to charge less and not make a profit. But a modest profit is a maximum you can make on items that are ne necessary. Next, um, you cannot hoard things that are necessities. Uh, as if, if somebody has a monopoly and he hoards all the oil or flour... And then 
the price goes through the roof because of hoarding, you can and should make laws and have to make laws to stop hoarding. And actually, one of the brachas Shemanesh is a curse for people who hoard um, crops and thereby raise the prices. So the idea of an artificially inflated price, meaning there is enough to go around, but one person is keeping a lock and key so that the price goes up, that is absolutely prohibited and it should be enforced. Next, he's, and once again, we make a distinction between necessities and luxuries. One more, Tess. Um, the city people, the people in the city can make a price list for anything. And create a system of punishments. They are entitled. So you have a kahila, and they decide that this has to be the price and somebody, um, if somebody veers from it, they can punish him. Um, Guilds can regulate um, work in a way that they, it, that they give each person a fair share. So on Mondays you have to hire this person, on Tuesdays this person, on Wednesdays, this person, they can do that and they can enforce those rules and even penalizing heavy monetary penalties. So the first thing we see is the power of regulation on a communal level exists. When there was a monarch in Israel, his power was absolute. Um, in, on a communal level, obviously, we have not nowhere near the type of power a monarch had, but we have the power and the right to create regulations. One, to regulate um, the work so that there's a fair distribution, that people don't have to work six days a week, that by alternating, we're able to give people a day off. They're, they're able to regulate unfair competition. They are, are mandated to regulate goods in a way that people have basic necessities at affordable prices. And they also can enact regulation that there's no artificial um, uh, pumping up of prices by somebody simply hoarding everything, which is, in a sense, what a monopoly does and why a monopoly creates uh, a danger to a, f to a free economy. So in the area of economic regulation, there are very clear categories of regulation that are appropriated, appropriate and mandated. That's one. What is the responsibility of a community to people that don't have money? Now, everybody feels charity is wonderful, but it's personal. Every person has a personal mitzvah to give tzedakah. So no one disagrees with that. But does the community, as a community, have that? Let's take a look at the Rambam. In Hilchos Matnos Aniyim, the ninth chapter. Aleph. Kol ir sheyesh ba Yisrael 
Chayovim lahamid mem gaboyet stoka. Every city in 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 Klal Yisrael must have appointed official for tzedaka. Anoshem yiduim v'nemanim, people that um, are recognized as being honest. Shu mechazim ala omer shabbos al shabbos. They go around once a week and collect um, from them money for it. And there's how much you need to give to each poor person. You need to give him a week's worth of, of food. And then he says there's also a daily collection. Gimel, the Rama says, Me'olam lora'ino v'loshamanu b'kohol mi'yisrael she'enlem kubitzedaka. We've never heard or seen a Jewish community that did not have a tzedaka um, fund. Every single community has a stock of fund. And this actually can, uh, it, this is something that you can enforce. You can, stock is one of the things you can force people to give stocker. Now, the Ramam is also points out in very, very powerful terms, the shortcomings of community that's very from, but not giving. Betainios, on a fast day, you give food to poor people so that they can eat before, they can eat afterwards. A, a fast day where everybody ate and went to sleep without giving stucker to poor people. They are murderers. And the Navi says about them, it used to be a place of justice, and now it's murderous. And he goes on to explain how it's collected. So the obligation of the community to feed um, the people that are poor exists. If we ask ourselves, um, does a community, a society, have an obligation to feed its poor? The answer is yes. Now, Technically, does this apply to a non-Jew? In other words, a non-Jewish community, do they have an obligation? I don't know. But it's certainly when we speak of Torah values, it is a Torah value that we take care of people that don't have what to eat. Now, uh, you, uh, arguments can be made that a, a, a Jewish community is a wonderfully efficient instrument, um, the U.S. government is not an efficient Again, ask your local Orthodox politician. But if we're talking about um, perspective, what is the obligation of society to individuals that don't have the answer is absolute? And the way the Rambam says, we've never heard of a Jewish community that doesn't have that stucker. That's the, our, the perspective of obligation of society towards the individual in terms of having a meal and so on. One more point which incorporates this and then gives us a sweeping perspective on relative merits and values of what makes a society rise and fall. Sodom is probably considered the ultimate evil society. Amalek is the ultimate evil nation. Um, of the of the of the 
three, um, let's call it societies or mega societies that suffered doom. We have the Mabel, that was the flood. We have the Dor HaPlaga, which was the generation that fell apart and to the Tower of Babel. And we have the stone. Um, anyone familiar with the various um, medrashim, the 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 psukim in 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 the in, in the prophets that want to give a paradigm of an evil society, kistom hayino kamor damino, stone is it. Stone is the worst a society can be, and it was obliterated with total incineration. If, if, if it's hard to pick, but if we ask ourselves, what is the worst of the worst in stone? We have many chazal. The, pas, the psukim themselves speak of terrible moral depravity. The, the word sodomy comes from the word stone because the psukim speak about that. And, and terrible tortures inflicted Many, many, many bad things. Um, it's, it's, um, it was a, a society that was thoroughly bad and evil. But what was the point that triggered that destruction? So we're going to learn Arabin Abachaya. Arabin Abachaya is one of the most important early commentaries on Chumash. I would say second only to the Ramban and Ibn Ezra. The Rabbin Abachaya is... Um, one of the fundamental pirushim on Torah. And this is by stone. He says, um, They had everything bad. And he brings the chazal about all the various psukim. It says, It says, um, There was birchas Hashem. They cursed God. It says, They spilled blood, um, and so on. So there was no lack of bad or evil that the people of stone did. Avol, the Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar says, Nigmar Dinam? Why? What was the final, what they call in Hebrew, the Makabepatish, the, 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 that the final bad that sealed the doom, what was that? They despised giving staka. And they did not care about the poor people um, and their fellow countrymen that were, that, that, that were, that were hungry, that were poor. So Rabbeinu Bechayah says, it's not the bad they did, it's the fact that they had a lack of any type of feeling and sentiment towards um, poor people. There's somebody in our neighborhood who's um, very, very involved in stock, is a wonderful, wonderful person, and once told over the following story. His mother wished to be in charge of the March of Dimes a chapter, the, the local March of Dimes chapter. And um, part of that was to go around collect from people uh, money. Um, now, the you know, March of Dimes used to uh, help children with cerebral palsy. 
It was, a, it was kind of, when I was growing up, that was the charity, a charity, you know. Um, and he would knock on people's doors and we get different excuses. People gave him ready and so on. Typical. That's fine. One person answered the door and he explained to him what he's collecting for. He says, oh, it's charity. He says, I don't do charity. He said, no, no, it's legitimate. And, and, and they said, no, I, I know it's legitimate. I have no problems with it. I just don't do charity. And he, he, this fellow said, he didn't, he didn't know how to respond to it. As a Jew, he grew up with the idea that you do charity. So fine, we all find little rationalizations how to you know, lighten the burden. But the idea of charity is axiomatic to us. And this person grew up without it. So he says, they, were, they despised charity. You know, we're self-made people. And if you can't make it yourself, tough luck. They did not care about the poor people or fellow countrymen who were laying starving. And then he says, And because this was constant, it wasn't a, a deviation once or twice. This is who they were. That was the reason why they were obliterated from the face of the earth. And he says, There's not a nation in the world that people aren't charitable with each other. The people in stone despised charity and were hard-hearted to the ultimate. The Afal there was no Torah given, no prophet told him to give it. There was no, uh, where was the messenger of God, the prophet told him to do it? He says, Hine hat stucker mina mitzvah is a mitzvah that should be axiomatic. It should be something that the human mind should accept as a given. Vidova mituavhu, it is a disgusting thing. Sheyira adam esmino mutlberav that a person can look around and see a fellow human being starving. And he's wealthy, and he has plenty, and his stomach is full. And there's no mercy on his part, no sentiment to try to help this person. Certainly a fellow countryman. And somebody, a fellow city, a fellow city dweller. Volcano of the Hashem is about Hashem stone. It's a monument. That's why Hashem destroyed the people of stone who 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 stopped charity. Velokach nikmas haniim, and he took revenge on behalf of the poor people. So Rabbi Nachman says, the fact that they were cursed God, atheists of some sort, terrible, not the reason to be destroyed totally. The fact that they were depraved and did some of the worst arias, terrible, not a reason to obliterate. Not even killing people. People kill people in a passion because that. But the lack of any type of rachmin, the lack of compassion, means that you're just not wired like a human being. You're missing something. So, Compassion, the idea that society needs to care for the people that are starving, sick, hungry, is 
the most fundamental media that a human society is, exists on. And without that, it does not justify its existence. Once again, what's the best way to do it? How to do it? I, 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 not, that's not what we're talking about. But the idea that we are responsible, and that's universal. It's not only Jewish. This is universal, that a society is responsible for the hungry, for the sick, for the wretched, whether it's their fault, not their fault. We have a responsibility, and we can't shake it off. That is the, 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 the Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar here. So let's just review the points. And again, I'm making these points so that we understand what our perspective is, how to implement it, who are the best people to implement it, and so on. That's not the area that, that I'm into. But let's never lose our true Tarashkafa. One, society has responsibilities towards the individual. One responsibility is that to regulate and to govern prices in a way that allows people uh, to live. Um, it does, it, it's, it's not everybody needs to have everything. There's a clear distinction between the luxuries that, you know, that, that, that if I can bless you with it, that's fine, and basic needs that people should be able to afford at a reasonable price. A society is allowed to and mandated to regulate it. Two, we put in regulations for a, a good working for society so that people um, who are working, we can, through regulation, allow people to have their days of work and, and so on. Those are all positive. Next, we have an obligation to set up a communal stucker. It's not people's personal goodwill. It's also that. But every society, every, every kehila is required to have a stucker fund that has the power actually to collect money whether a person wants to or not, kofenal stuckers. And the Ramam says it is unheard of in Kali that we had a community that communally did not care, did, did not care at stucker. And finally, we have the incredible words of Rebbe Bechaya. There are many terrible Averis, and Averis carry punishments. But all Averis, I can look at the person as being a human being who's wrong, who, who's made a mistake, who's gone off, who's doing something terrible, who has a flaw. But the only Avera that I could say the person is not a human being, he's missing a core value that makes him human, is compassion. And a society like Stone that did not have the feeling of compassion towards the poor and, 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 and the starving does not merit to exist. They are not humans and they cannot exist in society. Kashrok should help that speedily we recreate our society, Kalalisol society, with our king, Mashiach Tzedkenu, and our legislature, the Sanhedrin. And we run a society that's built on principles of Tzedakah and Mishpat. Melech Ohev Tzedakah Mishpat. What Akashbaruchu likes is the intertwining where, where 
society is a society of law and order and compassion and care. And that a society of Ohev Tzedakah Mishpat will be an Orla Goyim and illuminate the world entirely. Thank you. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.